0: Are you a fan of vampires? Then check out Vlada A Dracula Tale on Facebook and on Twitter for more information about an exciting new graphic novel coming soon from me and artist Ken Hunt. We take the entire story of Dracula and we gender swap the cast. This is not your traditional graphic novel. It's very akin to the Bernie Wrightson Frankenstein that you may have seen or read about. Amazing black and white illustrations and covers by Ken Hunt as well as by Tim Vigil. Kara Nicole, and many others contributing to this amazing project. Keep an eye on the Vlada, a Dracula tale. Facebook and Twitter for more information about the exciting Kickstarter coming late October. Welcome to another exciting episode of Goth Girl Horror, the official Hack Slash Podcast. I am your host, Doctor Chris,
1: and I am your co-host, Charcy Lux.
0: And tonight we are talking about the final of the Devils Do Press ongoing series. Not the final of the Devils Do Press, because we actually do uh, have another episode coming up later this month or in early November with the crossover with Mercy Sparks, with Devils Do Press uh, creator Mercy Sparks uh, creator uh josh blaylock this is the end of the ongoing with issues 29 through 32 and joining us for this episode all the way from the other side of the podcasting network in uh wherever misty is but all the way on the other side of the planet earth where the her co-host is we have long box of the darkness on the show with us lady and gentlemen why don't you introduce yourself well
2: ladies first right misty you go ahead
3: Hello, my name is Misty Grace, and I'm a co-host on the Long Box of Darkness podcast with uh, my fiend in horror, Herman Lowe.
2: Ooh, nice one. Yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm, like you mentioned, Chris, on the other side of the world here, I'm a, an expat living in Taipei, Taiwan. You know, hard to get a lot of comics here these days, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm surviving. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, you know, the host of the Long Box of Darkness. We focus on horror comics all across the board. It's a given that Hackslash would definitely, you know, float into our orbit, you know, over the years. But yeah, yeah, we're excited to be here and um, looking forward to some uh, Cassian Vlad talk. So thanks, thanks for having us.
0: What is some of the uh, what, what do you guys have coming up on your show?
2: Well, we just recently released um, an October episode about, you know, we we covered a, one of our favorite issues of DC Comics is Weird War Tales. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the old 1970s, uh, 1980s uh, anthology series Weird war-, war Tales. It's one of our favorites. You know, um, probably one of the first horror comics I ever read. Um, and uh, we just uh, decided to to talk some some um, femme fatale uh, horror specifically because there aren't many girls, you know, in in those Weird War Tale horror comics. But the issues that do feature girls are quite spectacular. So yeah, we we've decided on that.
3: Yeah, there's female characters sort of interspersed throughout a lot of the stories. Um, some stars them, like uh the Medusa character, but um not all of them. So we looked through all of the issues to find ones that had women on the cover in hopes that maybe they'd be inside in the stories in some way and then that just kinda gives me an opportunity to provide some insight into like how the female characters are written and how they're treated. In the in the story, things like that. So I find that that type of thing really interesting. I like to look at horror from somewhat of a intersectional feminist perspective. I guess not to scare you. I'm not trying to scare anyone, but yeah, I just sort of like to provide that type of insight if I can. Uh, if I can, I try to do it in a, a responsible, educated way. <laughs>
0: Misty is 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 the weird war tales where the haunted tank comes from.
3: It is a DC book. I know that DC, I think, did
0: kill Dozer.
3: The Haunted Tank is a comic book that appeared in DC Comics Anthology. War title. Yeah, it is a weird war. Yeah, that is a weird war tale. Do you have a
0: Haunted Tank book? No, but I'm familiar with Haunted Tank.
2: Haunted Tank is actually, you know, from Star Spangled War Stories and, um, you know, the other comics. They they didn't feature them, you know, the Haunted Tank specifically in Weird War Tales, but... It's definitely part of DC's weird war, you know, uh, similar to the Unknown Soldier and, um, you know, GI robots and those guys, creature commandos.
0: Right, and I think uh, um, for this episode, we have four issues that we're going to be covering. The Super Sidekick Sleepover Slaughter, uh, parts one through three, and the prequel, and each one of the hosts tonight is going to divide up uh, the four issues accordingly and do a plot synopsis, and then we will talk about the issue itself. And I am going to do the first issue of Super Sidekick Sleepover Slaughter, the prequel. The first issue was published in January of 2010, but there's a delay between the issues, which we'll get to when Charcy does the second one. And the first issue was in shop on January 6th, 2010, and the credits for the issue include writer Tim Seeley, who's the writer of all four issues, uh, art by Chris Burnham Ross Campbell Daniel Leister Jason Millett, and Colors by Mark Englert Jason Millett Letters by Crank Production by Sam Wells And edits by James Lauder With special thanks to Jordan White We have two covers for this issue As we do most issues One by Tim Seeley and Rachel Rosenberg And one by Nathan Fox and Joe Jose Vilabar Which I probably completely <laughs> mispronounced that And butchered it Cassie and Vlad are driving the open road on their next case while listening to a late-night radio show very similar to Coast to Coast AM, which talks about conspiracy theories, the devil calls in once in a while, aliens, uh, mole men living in the center of the earth, and all sorts of weird stuff. Uh, The DJ is talking to a caller about Cassie being the SKK, the serial killer killer, when the caller brings up real-life superheroes like Nightmare and Sleepy. Over in Patterson, New Jersey, Ronnie is drawing pictures of the superheroes he knows to be real from old newspaper articles and comic books. Some of these heroes are the Golden Age characters like Daredevil, Crime Buster, and Airboy. He shows a Daisy, a girl he's into, articles of Nightmare and Sleepy, a.k.a. Bob White and Terry Wake, who did battle with jack lantern or as we know him, Sam Hain, or the Jack-o'-lantern man at the time he was killing people. It was revealed revealed Bob was killed in battle with Sam and his partner would take over and take on a new sidekick. They would go after their enemy, Sister Sacrilege, and have another encounter with Sam Hain. Bob would get killed and Sister would get injured and Alan Knight would retire. Ronnie finishes his story and thinks he can convince his friends to become superheroes using a mysterious device, a box that contains an ancient spirit. Back on Highway 81, Cassie and Vlad continue to listen to the late-night radio talk show about superhero conspiracies and Cassie, Cassie's identity as the serial killer killer, much to her j- chagrin, as we, the audience comes to learn that the late-night talk show host is, in fact, Alan Knight, a.k.a. Sleepy 2. To be continued. So the covers for this issue have all of the characters for the entire story right on the front cover, and the second cover has Cassie, the giant blood splat behind her bumper story the opening and ending to the issue i am not a big fan of the way cassie is drawn
3: <laughs> she looks interesting she's got a um, different look than the rest of the story
0: yeah well the rest of the story is drawn by daniel leister who would actually be the artist ongoing artist uh for the remainder of hack Slash, uh image comics uh volume two yeah that's right it's
3: like an anime almost style to her
0: yeah it's a little bit too creepy
3: she seems very doll <laughs> like, the big doll-like, very thing. childlike.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It, it seems it seems that uh, Ronnie uh, lives with some of the most dickish people imaginable. I don't understand his roommate talking about the Mexican woman he brought over to bang. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like, did you just bring a guy over for the for your roommate to have sex with? I don't quite understand that whole thing when he comes back in later on, like you know, with his tidy whities on. I, I just, oh, that's
1: his older yeah.
0: brother. Right, I get that. Yeah. But did, did, was that supposed to be Ronnie's date?
2: <laughs> no, no, I think, um, that you was know, yeah, she's one of the alternative Ed, um, you know, uh, kids who study with uh, Ronnie, right? So he probably befriended them in class and then invited them over for a night, you know, and then <laughs> his older brother hooked up with Lus, the Brazilian girl. So, yeah, I guess that's just the thing he does, right? The older brother is a real... I don't know.
0: I have to say, Ronnie doesn't need to be a superhero. He could he could get a job working for Devil's Due Press the way he draws with crayons.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the crayons that he's using. I just noticed it. I didn't notice it the first time around. Holy hell. Yeah. yeah guy has got some mad skills.
0: Now, Ronnie begins to talk about superheroes, and the superheroes he's talking about, I contacted Tim about these heroes, and these are Golden Age superheroes that are currently in public domain that anybody can use. Currently, they're being used by Dynamite Entertainment by Alex Ross and Eric Larson over in Savage Dragon. One specifically mm. is uh, Daredevil, the, uh, ja- the, uh, mm. the uh, Golden Age Daredevil, excuse me, not Matt Murdock.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Dynamite snapped up those, uh, you know, public domain properties. I would um, protest that the heap, you know, I'd never in a million years consider him a superhero. So they appropriated the heap, which is more like a Swamp Thing, like, you know, Man Thing-esque monster, uh, Swamp Monster. You know, he's definitely got no, you know, intelligence or costume to speak of, but they made him a superhero in this one. So, um, yeah, I guess they didn't have a lot of public domain characters to choose from. But um, interesting that they used those. I mean, I'm a particular fan of Phantema, you know, when it comes to the old Fletcher Hank cartoons he used to do in the 40s. So, yeah, I like that bit of uh, an addition to this issue, these public domain heroes.
0: And Charcy and I have seen Jack-O-Lantern now leading up, uh, or Sam Hain, is going to become a bigger part of this book, but he was called the Jack-O-Lantern Man, or at least just Jack-O-Lantern, back in the Golden Age. And the middle part of the book, in this Golden Age... Excuse me. This middle part of the book with this Golden Age style, roughed up looking comic book is absolutely amazing. And then they switch over to the more modern crime noir style comic book with Clue Comics presents Nightmare and Sleepy. And their costumes are absolutely ridiculous.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 But, you know, I kind of like, I, I like Chris Burnham. I'm a big Chris Burnham fan. You know, um, ever since you know I, I've, I've read some of his Batman stuff. I think he did Batman Incorporated. But before that, he did something called Officer Down, which is about this kind of like maniac cop-esque, <laughs> you know, police policeman, undead policeman. But, um, you know, he does the, night, the first Nightmare in Sleepy Bit. And I love that old 40s-style art that he did. And don't you guys like the effect of um, Nightmare's costume when it gets dark? He looks like a literal skeleton.
0: (laughs) That
1: glow-in-the-dark effect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely.
2: Yeah, it's pretty good.
0: There's a coloring effect that happens in this comic book a couple times that is now beginning to piss people off uh, today. When it comes to black characters in comic books not being portrayed black anymore, they're like gray, purple, green, brown, Brown is another skin tone for a black man or a black woman. But uh a lot of times this is coming up recently in X Men with Storm and it kinda happens in here when the DJ is on the radio, he's got like green skin.
2: Yeah, it's weird. I mean it might be a light effect that they're going for, but I doubt it. I doubt they thought so, you know, deeply about it. It's um it it's turned up, you know, many times like you said, Chris, so it's it's a little bit I'm I'm not gonna say offensive, but you know, probably for some folks might find it a little it, bit, I, I'm you know, not
0: offended by it, but I understand people getting pissed that they wish black characters would be portrayed as black and not like some muted out color scheme for some stupid reason. Exactly, it is yeah.
3: muted. I'm looking at that panel right now and it's very muted. Everything's almost the same kind of olive green shade of olive green. Including mm, his yeah. skin. Yeah, so he's got a green shirt, green skin, like kind of everything is very cool, tinted olive green. Correct. Uh, Where is but the other panels are full of color. Bright colors we have in the, on the next page. There's flesh color, reds, blues. There's warm colors. It's not as muted. So it, it does seem a little bit disjointed there.
2: Yeah. I think, isn't Nightmare and Sleepy... Uh, did, sorry to bring it back to, to the characters here. Aren't they supposed to be uh, original creations, though?
0: Yeah, those you are them. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, so they're based off of the Sandman and Sandy. You know, the um, old 1940s Sandman, after he ditched the gas mask for a while there, he went all superhero-like. So they're based off of those Golden Age 1940s characters who were who were part of the All-Star Squadron back in the DC Comics heyday. And um, then it makes sense that in the 70s, you know, when there was <laughs> a bit of a revival of, 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 of the sidekick concept, I'm talking Captain America and the Falcon here, right? that um, the Sandman, or you know, as he's called Nightmare, would get a black sidekick, because, you know, black exploitation was pretty big in the 70s, and, you know, it seemed that, you know, those guys were all over the page um, in Marvel, at least, at the time. So that's probably why they decided to go with, with, with the character of Mr. Knight here as a, as a, you know, former sidekick of Nightmare.
0: Sister Sackleidge, Charlie, I definitely think that is an outfit you could pull off. <laughs> <laughs>
2: send some pics over. I think yeah. that's your next uh, I think
0: that's your next uh, cosplay for Instagram and your other
2: your other work. <laughs> the, yeah, that
3: one.
2: Ominous.
1: <laughs> but uh yeah, that I love that they even make the joke with uh Cassie when it's like, oh, get the nun outfit again. <laughs>
0: that's not <laughs> what I was Vlad. implying. I just thought it looked like a good outfit and
2: uh <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it weird uh, for you guys though that Vlad is making that joke? I mean, no, because no no. so we've <laughs> made jokes about
0: Kathy before. That's uh, that kind of that that's supposed to be on those lines. Just to get out of the way, the ads for all four issues are pretty much the same. The one thing I want to point out is that since this was like 2010, they were trying to break into comic books online on iTunes.
2: Hmm. Oh, was that a thing back then? Wow, I must have missed that. Well, I no, it comics. wasn't
0: in 2010. Comic books were not a thing online yet. It was very very scarce independent comics. Uh, Marvel and DC were not uh, putting entire issues of their books on the internet yet.
2: Wow, I know that um, you know because I started reading reading digital in 2012. I think when DC launched their whole you know new line, the you know. Um, but I think uh, they Devil's will, they will Due didn't they keep publishing Hackslash as uh, uh, digitally after they you know after Seely moved the series to Image? I might be wrong on that, but I, I'm sure I saw some issues.
0: Yeah, for like um, five minutes, and then yeah. they stopped it.
2: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was against Seeley's wishes, obviously. So um, but, uh, we're going to move on, on
0: be- to issue 30, and Charcy has the plot synopsis for issue 30.
1: For issue 30, Super Sidekick Sleepover Slaughter, we have, well, technically it would be also for 31 to 32. All of these apply to those as well. For the story by Tim Seeley, artwork by Daniel Easter, colors by Mark Englert, letters by Crank, edits by James Louder, publisher Devil's Due, and original publication date we have April 2010. Plot synopsis for this issue is, the story starts off in New Jersey, or Jersey City, New Jersey, where Dr. Dracula is in Sister Sacrilegious club, being entertained by some ladies dressed as superheroines. Later, when he talks to Sister Sacrilege, who now goes by Madame Angelica, he gives her tiny clues that something big is going on, and she should join the lair again. Elsewhere, Ronnie is using the god box and gave himself superpowers. He's excited to have his new strength and calls himself Nightmare. In his excitement, he calls Alan Knight to give him the news update. He reveals to Alan that he knows that he was sleepy back in the day, and that now he will be a Nightmare as good as Bob or Terry from before him. While telling Alan about the God Box, Ronnie is stabbed in the neck by someone who snuck up behind him. The only clue that he can give Alan before he dies is Pumpkin Face. Meanwhile, Cassie and Vlad are at a gas station in York, Pennsylvania. Cassie is cleaning off her bat from the last job they had. And in Eminence, Indiana, Chris is hanging out at the local bar with the sheriff. While playing pool, Chris gets an email from Alan Knight. So he contacts Cassie and Vlad and tells them to contact Alan right away. In Peterson or Patterson, New Jersey, Daisy has made superhero costumes from everyone, and all the teens are preparing to gain their superpowers from the God Box. Elsewhere, Cassie and Vlad are getting the details from Alan about the new case. He told them that a slasher is hunting teens in New Jersey, but these kids happen to be superheroes. And what's worse, he thinks Samane may be the slasher. Now back in New Jersey, Rob is looking for Ronnie because he supposedly got a note from his brother saying he wants him to join the Alternatives. However, Rob is killed by the same mass slasher as his brother was. Ironically, he was killed by his own knife, too. Some time has gone by now, and it is now in Connecticut. Cassie and Vlad meet up with Sister Sacrilege at her home. She gives them an update on what the God Box is. She informs them that even though they were all playing heroes and villains back in the day, they still did not have superpowers. But there was one who had possessed these powers. She was called Fantima, Mystery Woman of the Jungle. A group of villains came up with a plan to trap her and then find a way to gain her godlike powers. With the help of the Black Lamp Society, they were able to find her weakness and trap her in the God Box. Now, years later, the teens have come across the device and are gaining her strength. Kathy and Vlad need to find this God Box now in order to save them, or they are killed as well. Alan thinks that the leader knows where the God Box is, but Sister Sacrilege explains. The Cassie and Vlad will now have to go undercover if they want to gain this knowledge off of them. In Eminence, Indiana, Lisa and Chris are having a disagreement about him staying out late with his new friend, Maggie. He claims to Lisa that his attention is only on her and the baby, but once she leaves the room, Pooch reveals to Chris that he can smell it when he lies. Back in New Jersey, the group of teens show up at Lynn's work dressed as the superheroes. While the boys are giving the restaurant owner a hard time, Daisy is in the bathroom, having a difficult time feeling comfortable in her new costume. Last scene shows back in Fairfield, Connecticut, where Sister Sacrilege has given Cassie and Vlad undercover costumes. They will be going to the Arctic lair disguised as Sister Sacrilege and her sidekick, Alter Boy, where Vlad gives the great line, I am going to hell for sure, yes?
0: Excellent job, Charcy. You have like taken to this so quickly, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> Corpor- what What is the title of the place called? The corp. The corp- Corporal Punishment Club. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And some of the sexy superheroes we have here are obviously 1990s animated series Superman, Supergirl, Wonder Woman, and the piece of shit Catwoman movie.
1: I, I was oh, thinking yeah. it was the Catwoman.
0: Yeah. So the covers for the issue. Uh, Charcy, why don't you lead us on what the covers are? I didn't grab those. Okay, that's fine. We have one cover with the superhero characters created by Tim Uh, drawn by Tim, a beautiful cover of them saying, you failed us, Cassie Hack, because of you, our sidekicks are dead. And Cassie is unusual, like spilling out of her tank top. U.S. agent looks like uh, Homelander from the boys. Phantom X is like Skeletor's hot wife, you know? 10 out of 10 body, but uh, scary skeleton face.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's it. that's a very original description that I haven't heard before. <laughs>
0: and the second cover is by series regular artist Daniel Leister. Cassie sitting in a pile of weapons with Vlad's mask behind her. Um, I do like the fact that this guy is called Doctor Dracula. I should have called myself that as you know the radio horror host.
2: <laughs> I, I don't know. That might have been good. taken. Yeah, you, know, you, you might you might have to fight a few people for it, but yeah, go go ahead. <laughs> That's a good name. Charcy, why don't you go on with what happens next?
1: After the covers and everything? Or after, just kinda start... oh, after, okay, after, so uh, after, after he, Sister
0: Sacrilege's uh, House of Ill of Fame.
1: He talks with, well, he starts calling her Sister Sacrilege, and of course she corrects him and says, I'm Madame Angelica now. She also gives him a hard time because he still has his mask on. But that kind of brings into the introduction when he kind of starts hinting to her that he's like, oh, well, that might change in time. We might be able to wear our masks a lot more. But then he kind of like puts her down and basically states to her, it's like, you, you probably should come join us again or you're just going to become a useless old cow. <clears throat>
3: yeah, he calls her an old cow. <laughs> it's like, hmm, you're dumb. a great guy. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> All of these guys are quite uh, pieces of work. You know, we'll meet his cohorts later on. But, um, you know, I, I find it silly that a guy, I mean, he's obviously trying to go for a bat, right? That's why he's got that, you know, the bat ear look. But, you know, it doesn't he doesn't quite pull it off. I think that's intentional by Daniel Lester, you know, to show that this guy's actually, you know, pathetic in his attempt to want to be a real legitimate supervillain. Yeah, so... Um, just just speaking about the art and stuff, guys, did you find a, uh, it was a little bit jarring for me this time around, like in the previous issue, um, the character of Daisy was drawn Michael Turner style hot. You know, she was drawn quite alluringly. But in this issue, obviously, she's drawn as, as she was written by Celie to be unattractive and she has a weight issue. So, you know, I found that a little bit that in the previous issue, I was quite, you know, taken by the way Cassie, uh, um, uh, what's her name, Daisy was drawn. But here she's a little bit, um, I don't know, there's, there's definitely the same artist, but he, he gave her a completely different body type. Uh,
0: when she's sitting at the table looking at the drawings with Ronnie, she is definitely drawn with a stomach touching the table. Um, she's got some plumpness to her face on another panel. And, uh, yeah, I mean, most of the time she's sitting down, In every single panel in this book she is sitting down with the exception of one scene where she comes into the door frame i mean they don't exactly show her with a belly coming through the uh the belly button shirt but it's uh, in a couple most of the panels she is drawn a little bit more rounder like she is when she pokes out her belly fat in this issue
2: mm. i think it's because she was wearing a black shirt previously so it might have been difficult to draw curves on that
0: that's why women uh, or, and men wear black yeah. both men and women wear black to hide their weight <laughs> i mean it makes complete sense
2: Hey, I do the same thing. <laughs> All right, but I no, I I love the art on this issue.
1: <laughs> I had really? kind of noticed that too, but it, I had, when I went back, I'm like, well, when she's sitting there, she does kind of have that plumpness, but yeah, it's just in that one panel when she first walks through the door, it's like, it's, it's hard to tell if she is bigger or not.
3: And it's kind yeah. of just selectively around her middle, like a lot of her other, her body, it's, it's a maybe perhaps not proportional. I, I don't know. Bodies are all different.
0: <laughs> it is quite funny yeah, that Vlad has a, um, uh, right after Ronnie is killed by a mysterious assailant, it is very funny that Vlad has a psychoanalysis of what's written down in men's uh, bathrooms.
2: <laughs> you know, that that reminded me of an old Stephen King story. I don't know, uh, it's from Nightmare and Dreamscapes. I don't know if um, Tim Seeley got it from that, but it's about... You know this guy who goes around collecting uh, graffiti off of um, walls. <laughs> you know, I can't uh, come up with the story's name right now. But it's fun that Vlad's doing it, and <laughs> he doodles a little penis on the <laughs> on the car window. Um, wow, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> well, and
1: the fact that when he giggles about it, Cassie doesn't even know. She's just driving like, wow, what's the point of that? And he's sitting over like.
0: The entire well, time, I didn't think this was Sam Hain, but it did make me start believe it was Sam Hain until I, we reveal later on who it actually is, which is quite interesting.
2: Yeah, that's going to be in the next issue, but um, yeah, I didn't see that coming. I don't know about you guys, but I was completely floored, even even though they did show that the uh, assailant would later on be one of, well, I'm not going to give away spoilers now, but... Uh, it didn't look like the Samhain we're used to. If you right haven't guy, read these so.
0: comics and are listening to this podcast, then uh, go read these comics before you listen to this podcast. Oilers are ahead. Chris seems like he's up to no good because he's hanging out with the sheriff when he should be at home with his pregnant girlfriend. And his sheriff, we as we learn, Charcy, is up to no good, and she is part of which organization?
1: Uh, the black lamp. Yes,
0: the basically long-running villain through the next series too. They were set up in this series, and they become the bad guys through the entire Image Comics run. That's
2: yeah, right. They, yeah. They do get the. They do become
1: the main bad guy.
0: I do love the fact that Sister Sacrilege has in her closet, along with her BDSM fetish wear, signed mm-hmm. photographs from the heroes that she used to do battle with. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you Trophy. have that?
2: <laughs> trophies, my friends. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, for that, her... That's a good way to put it, trophies. <laughs> think trophies about signed, it. I mean, Sign photos from your enemies?
2: Yeah, she's based off of Miss Fury, you know, I think an old uh, Golden Age character. And, um, you know, she saw a battle with the superhero quite differently. Like, you know, obviously the superhero would beat her in a fistfight eventually, handing her over to the police, but not before sleeping with her. So in her mind, it's probably a conquest. <laughs> Of course, they didn't show that explicitly in the 40s, but that was intimated, you know, that Miss um, Fury had some illicit sexual relations with her, uh, you know, enemies, her heroes. Um, so, I do love the
0: fact that it's a cross that is locks the door, and the key into the cross. That's interesting. What, what do we have in her closet? So we have a paddle. We have what appears to be Cat of Ninetales or some type of uh, flogger of some kind. I don't know anything about this type of material whatsoever, so I'm just speculating. Oh, yeah, right, Chris.
1: Only speculating.
0: I'm only speculating. I I don't have any of this sitting underneath my bed waiting for my date to ask me to bring it out.
2: Damn. I mean, well, the comic opens with a ball gag, so, you know, it's already like... Okay, I'm going to let you know know those are
0: not as fun as people think they are. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) Um, the foliage man guy, the green guy, the African American superhero, just looks ridiculous.
2: yeah, it's supposed to be the heap like I mentioned earlier, but no the heap is not a superhero for God's sake, but obviously he's this, this guy's favorite character, so he, he chose to be him, and I, I kind of like the banter they do in the in um, um, uh, you know the store where where uh, who is it um, where they visit their friend and they, they show up oh, as kid restaurant? Crash. Yeah, it's in the restaurant where she's a waitress and they show up as Kid Crash and uh, The Heap and they s- immediately start treating this, this obnoxious manager as a supervillain. And they say, old country bastard, <laughs> we're here to save the fatties from your evil buffet, Ray. <laughs> that part's gold. Daisy's reaction. It's, it's, I,
3: it's an example of how they're naive, like young teenagers,
2: you know? They're
3: just wanting to have a good time with their with their powers and not really considering perhaps like the consequences.
0: Right. Um Daisy's reaction to her body type uh is very similar to a conversation Charcy and I had because uh, I feel uh very much the same way trying to lose my midsection weight. And that's oh,
1: how yeah. worse to lose the weight. Right. So
0: and also it reminds me of um elastic girl from the incredible's when she's trying on the new costume and she's checking out her ass and she's just like oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: that's a good callback yeah
0: sister sacoly costumes sorry. are unforgiving go ahead sorry pause then oh, go ahead sorry. all right go ahead uh,
3: those superhero costumes are are very unforgiving even in, even with the greatest body they they just reveal all flaws <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I yeah. I know that. I've had a uh, a few um I've had a few uh bad encounters with spandex, that I was just like I am not ready to wear this costume, <laughs> Uh never oh, ever ever ever. Nope, nope, nope. So, uh back to Fairfield, Connecticut, which I got to drive over to Fairfield, Connecticut cause I, considering I live in Massachusetts just to see how crazy it is with its culting and stuff like that. Uh <laughs> Kathy and Vlad dress up as Sister Sacrilege and Alter Boy. Vlad looks fucking ridiculous. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's crazy. Also, he looks like Cass- a monk.
0: Yeah, yeah he uh, looks a like a monk. Cassie, uh, it? look—it's funny. It's funny, um, it's funny uh, Charcy. Where is Cassie wearing her crucifix?
1: Around her midsection, but it's pointing towards her uh, her lovely hoo ha area. Hoo
0: ha area, <laughs> which everyone can go check out. Cassie's hoo ha area. If you go pick up the Suicide Girls issue, <laughs> very very
2: true. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a chastity belt, except it only works on vampires.
0: Something you know, like that. So. Also,
3: I've never seen this before, but it looks like she's wearing her garter belt over her dress, which she, I, I have never that seen too. that before. Have you Have you ever done that before? I have what? never
1: seen that before either. So I was wondering why it was on the outside.
3: Yeah, it's not supposed to go on the outside. Maybe <laughs> Kathy just doesn't know
2: yeah
3: yeah i I guess that's the conclusion that I came to as well. I was like she probably has never worn this particular get up before, so she just put it on, however, in whatever order, and it just ended up on the outside
0: in the back <laughs> yeah, that's not for in the <laughs> in the back of the issue at the uh after the uh to be continued, there is a photo gallery of a young girl dressed up as Cassie. Uh apparently the photos are can be seen in their full flagrante delicto at uh cosplay dot com. The actress the uh model's name is Angela. This art this little snippet is written by Tim himself, and cosplay deviance is a website that still exists filled with nude cosplay models.
2: Jeez. Can wow. know? Yep. <laughs> well, that's that's more my thing than yours, Misty, but hey, thanks for that, Chris. <laughs>
0: Now we're going to jump over to um, issue 31. And who has the plot synopsis for issue 31?
2: That's me over here. I'm ready to roll with the credits. All right, so issue thirty-one, of course, publisher Devil De- Devil's Due, cover date February first, twenty ten. Wait, but it was in Quick, quick, yeah? quick,
0: quick uh, correction. We didn't get this with Charcy's issue. So Devil's Due Press uh, had uh, was running into the end of their lifespan, and issue twenty-nine uh, was the uh, issue in January, and then the other three issues were heavily delayed, apparently until. Uh, June uh, Apparently, according to this article, it was actually in June, uh, but the cover dates have April, but they didn't actually publish till June, according to Blood- BloodyDisgusting.com. Why this happened, I'm not going to get into on this podcast. It's very speculative of why um, it, it happened the way it did. But the final three issues of this all came out apparently in the same month, according to Tim. Wow. So, yeah. Okay, that's
2: unusual, but yeah, okay. I can understand why. I mean, obviously, they had financial troubles, cetera, You right. know, So, yeah. so I'm going to roll again, start from the beginning, right? Just
0: pick up where you left off.
2: Okay, so cover date, um, February 1st, 2010, but it was in store on April 14th, 2010. Writer, Tim Seeley. Interior art by Daniel Lester. Colors by Mark Englert. Lettered by Crank. And then cover by Tim Seeley and Dominic Marco. Edited by James Lauder. All right, let's get into the synopsis here. The issue starts out at the Megatech corporate office in New York City, where a corporate employee called Lombardi is castigated by his boss for having a timeline for killing teenage superheroes on his office PC. He is led off with a stern warning to never get caught playing massive multiplayer online role-playing games at work again. Lombardi silently vows revenge. And then we cut to the alternative education classroom at Patterson East High in New Jersey where our group of wannabe teenage superheroes are struggling through the catcher in the rye. The class ends and after hurling a couple of insults back and forth, the kids intimate that soon, since they're about to get superpowers over the weekend, they'll be given the keys to the city. So technically, they'll be heroes. Next, we see Cassie and Vlad get a wake-up call from their host, Madame Angelica the former Sister Sacrilege. She gives them the rundown on the Arctic Lair Club, which they are set to infiltrate later that night. Angelica warns them that beating the truth out of these supervillain role-playing fops will not work. They need to handle it with finesse if they hope to discover the whereabouts of the God Box and save the teens from getting carved into bloody chunks. Meanwhile, the aforementioned teens are heading towards the facility where the God Box is kept, costumes packed and at the ready, They remark on Ronnie's absence, but this does not deter Lynn, who is more eager than ever to just get the process started. Soon enough, though, they each take their turn and are transformed into superhumans, albeit only ones that have super strength. And while all this is going on, Cassie and Vlad are at the Arctic Lair Club visibly suffering as they are forced to listen to a villainous monologue after a villainous monologue as each patron is called up to regale the rest with their nefarious plot reveals or in the words of Vlad, a karaoke of evil. Here we are introduced to the colorful but bumbling characters of Dr. Devil, Crime Biker, Black Ghost, Digital Demon, Crime Wave, Thief of Hearts, etc., etc. And finally, Dr. Mortal, who is in reality Lombardi, the disgruntled employee we saw in the very beginning of the issue. And Dr. Mortal expresses disappointment in his fellow supervillain's pathetic schemes and offers up a really nefarious plot. He offers them, along with his cohort Dr. Dracula, to turn the villains into true supervillains with the God Box. In order to gain their faith, he shows them a live feed of the venue where the God Box has been stashed and where the teens are currently running about high on their new powers. Two of the teens, Wesley and Lass, decide to test their strength in an abandoned gym um, when they are attacked by the Pumpkin Killer, who displays superhuman strength much like their own. Luss is maimed and Wesley gets his skull crushed while the supervillains and an astonished Cassie and Vlad see everything on the live feed courtesy of Dr. Mortal. The heap, aka Sam, expresses his true feelings for Daisy who rejects him because she's still hung up on Ronnie who was carved up in the last issue. And after this brief romantic interlude, we cut back to the gym where the pumpkin killer reveals her true identity before stabbing Luss in the brain with a knife that would make Rambo drool. And back in the Arctic Lair, Cassie reports back to Mr. Knight, the DJ, that there really isn't much that she can do for the kids, since most of them seems to be, uh, pardon the pun, pushing up daisies. But she promises that the supervillains will get their comeuppance. And on the final page of the issue, we are treated to a scene where Chris Crank heads back home after a night out with his pool buddy Sheriff Riley and sees someone jumping from the second floor window. He and Riley rush inside to find an unconscious Lisa on the floor. And so ends issue 31.
3: Great synopsis.
2: The covers for this issue have Cassie
0: holding her baseball bat in a bra and her skirt with a belt buckle that says Pussy with the U asterisked out because they probably couldn't print even the word Pussy on the front cover of a violent, sex-filled comic book, and she has the uh, mask of a superhero on it, kind of akin to like what Robin would wear, and that's by Tim Seeley, and the second cover is by Ryan Stegman, has Cassie and Vlad in a giant trench coat with Cassie's back to us. Not really a butt shot, as her butt is pretty much covered in a skirt. Lombardi, the name of the doofus guy who comes into the Megatech corporate office, reminds me of uh, the dick wad that would show up in the Superman books a lot, because he has a very um, similar name. Um, Steve Lombard. Yeah, that guy.
2: The sports writer. Yeah, that guy's a great A-prick, yeah, for sure.
0: Cassie and Vlad are sleeping in, like, the back room of this sex dungeon, and Vlad doesn't want to sleep on the bed, which is hilarious because it's covered in stains, which is kind of gross. <laughs> well, Cassie doesn't seem
2: to mind, right?
0: Cassie will it's sleep anywhere. Hats. Yeah, she doesn't really care. <laughs> I do love the woman who rips open her shirt to reveal the U.S. on her tits.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she's, she's saying, My old life can kiss my new life's tight little spandex ass goodbye. And then uh, Sam says, she yeah, has spoken like white trash. Captain America. Some great great dialogue in this issue for sure. Seely's good with that kind of stuff. Yeah. That he is. He's it is kind of like a Brian Michael Bendis of horror. Uh
0: yeah, a little bit. Um Charcy, we were just discussing the boys before we started recording. Doesn't the guy who tries to hit on Vlad remind you of the deep? <laughs> Yeah. And by the way, people, I mean, more by the way, people uh, listening, I mean the deep from the TV series, not the deep from the comic books. The deep from the comic books and the TV series deep is getting controversy right now because a they kind of created two completely different characters, but people are pissed that they whitewashed
2: the character. Yeah, that's right. That's true. The deep in the boys comic is is black. Yeah. And he's but he's got you can't I also see black. It,
0: it, yeah, yeah, first of all, you don't even barely even see that he's black. Second of all, it's a completely different character. They just completely changed the character altogether. He's also yeah. not the person who forces uh Starlight to give him oral sex in the comic book.
2: Yeah, that's A-Train. So you're right. Yeah, that's a that's a totally different thing. I it's, mean, I that's It's not fitting. It, it,
0: it's not no, just, no, no. it's not just A-Train, it's also Homelander and Black Noir. Yeah. They do a they pull a uh they pull a uh, gangbang on her.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's horrible, I'm but...
3: talking about the boys.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the comic, the original comic, which is oh,
3: the different. Original yeah.
2: Comic. Okay. So the I'm name totally
0: of the name of the fish boy who reminds me of the thief is Crime Wave, and these are all characters created by Tim because uh, I had a conversation with him before we started recording. Doctor Devil, Crime Baker, Black Ghost, Digital Demon, Thief of Hearts, the Mugger, Doctor Spy, Doctor Mortal, those are all Tim's characters. He created them for
2: this book. Yeah, I mean, Crime Wave is the only one that I can you know kind of overtly see based off of. Of uh, uh, existing character, it's it's Namor, the Submariner, basically. You know, he's got the, the arched eyebrows. He's got you know the the, the, the color scheme of Namor.
0: The reveal of who Jack of Lantern is, or the uh, the guy that Sam, that Cassie and Vlad think is Sam Hain, is absolutely out of left field and makes no sense whatsoever. It's like revealing the killer from Scream 2. Lynn is in one goddamn panel, or one page per issue, and then that's it. We don't get a big mystery buildup that it, oh my god, it's Lynn and I'm like, who the fuck is this? I had to go back and re-look re- through the previous two issues. <laughs> I just read them. I just read the two issues before reading the third one. And I have to go back and look for it or whatever. I don't like that. I just think that was just so like, oh, it's this guy, who, who the fuck is yeah. that?
3: I right there with you. I had to do the same thing. I had to go back and be like, who? Wait, who is that? And and look back at the the previous storyline to Ugh. to learn who it was. But but also, I was I had to do that for a lot of these characters because there's a lot of like soap opera drama happening between all of them and the way that the artists the 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 drawings kind of changed so it was just you just it it took a little bit to follow everyone's storyline like who had a crush on who who was making out with who you know (laughs) who was mad at who for you know teenage things so it's kind of convoluted in in that sense (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Has anyone ever been stabbed in the... Oh, Sorry, go ahead, Charcy. Oh,
3: uh, and we seem
1: to learn a lot more about Lynn's character in the last issue than we even get introduced in the other three. So it's like you, you learn more about Lynn once it's revealed who she is and that she's the bad guy.
0: Mm-hmm. Has anyone ever been stabbed through the cheeks before? It's not fun. I haven't had it happen myself. I'm just I'm just saying, every time I've seen it happen, it doesn't look
2: like it'd be fun. It happened in the new... It- I think It Part Two uh, movie, you know the the It movie that that was released what last year or two years ago. Last year. Did you guys see that? Last man, year. Man, that was yeah. a horrible scene. A guy gets stabbed through the cheek, and oh man, that, I never want that to happen to me though.
1: I I don't think any of us want that to happen. <laughs> or or you know taking the whole entire weight to your head and get that that drawing though. Oh, the so one God. guy getting his head smashed in is fantastic. Though so yes. eyeballs just popping out. <laughs> that's yes. amazing. Yeah.
3: I love that panel.
2: <laughs> that's that's the best panel of the the issue. Come on, guys. Yeah.
3: It's like
1: the it
2: like this
3: panel is so gross.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that panel shouldn't make me so happy, but it does.
2: You know that guy was annoying. He God was coming to him. He's constantly like, "Have sex with me." You know, like, uh, "Are we gonna Are we gonna screw?" So I'm like, he was annoying me all the time. So good on, good on uh, Lynn for taking him out first.
0: The gore <laughs> effects that pop out of his head uh, with everything is absolutely disgusting and awesome at the same time. The, uh, and then, of course, it ends with uh, Chris and the sheriff uh, and somebody sneaking out of the house. Uh, I don't remember who that is. I'm, I'm, I almost believe it's... I think it's Cat, but I'm not 100% certain. But I don't think they would attack Lisa, but I'm not certain Lisa. yet, and we'll get to that. And uh, Charcy and I will get to that when we get to the Image Comics issue. And, and then um, at the back of the issue, at the To Be Continued, is a pinup of Cassie holding her bat. I think it's an um, ad for the upcoming Image book, but it just says June 2010.
2: Mm. Yeah, we're, we're, Misty and I are sad because we're not privy to some of the awesome art because we're reading it in the, in the omnibuses. Oh. And, you know, the thing with that is they actually, the, the omnibuses were, were nicely done, you know, great paper, uh, good binding and everything.
0: Moving on to issue 32, the final issue of the saga, I believe. The uh, credits, I
3: suppose. Are, are pretty
0: much the same. You don't need to go through the credits.
3: Sam, the heap, and Daisy, the flamingo. Start looking for Luz and Crash Kid. Heap is worried that his unwelcome kiss is going to make things weird between him and Daisy. They find Luz and Crash Kid. Only they have been brutally murdered by Sam Hain. (laughs) Slash to Dr. Immortal's magic bus. All of the villains are on a bus headed towards the lab. Dr. Immortal announces that he's had Angelica captured... She has informed him of Cassie and Vlad's presence at the club in disguise, and she will be paying for her treachery. At the club, the villains turn on Cassie and Vlad as we go to the next scene. Back at Chris's house, we find out his wife Lisa is okay. She was just hit on the head. Whoever it was that broke into their house stole something from the office. They exchange knowing glances with each other, they know what it is. The burglar went in and copied all of the hack slash files. Back at the lab, Sam Hayne is beating the crap out of Heap. And Daisy runs. Sam Hain's power is too much for the heap. Sam Hayne lightning bolts the heap to death. Cassie and Vlad are now outside the lab <laughs> fighting the group of villains. Cassie whips the tip off of the Thief of Hearts nose, our evil uh, gold-digging villainess from the club scene earlier. We see Sam Hayden reporting through an earpiece to Dr. Mortal, and he says, or she says, Don't worry, I'll take care of it, Daddy. (laughs) Daisy is wandering the hall and finds the room where Ronnie and his brother's bodies are. Sam Hain finds Daisy and is super mean on a personal level. Sam Hain says the most pathetic thing about Daisy is that she never told Ronnie she was in love with him. Cassie's whip interrupts Sam Hain slash Lynn's cruel comments. Crack! Out pops Lynn's eyeball. Cassie and Lynn start to fight. Back at the Corporal Punishment Club. Mr. Ratcliffe is holding Angelica and her husband hostage. He's walking around in his underwear and mask, hinting that he's about to sexually assault her on camera when Alan busts in in a skeleton onesie and punches him out. Kunk! 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 Yeah, kunk! There we go. In the lab, Vlad is searching for Daisy while the villains chase after him. Daisy is fighting Lynn, who is staying really unlikable to the end digging at Daisy by saying that her dad made her a goddess, whereas Daisy doesn't even have parents. She says, you've been an orphan for, what, 10 years? Even the R-word kids get adopted after that long. Daisy bites her back this time, jumping, actually jumping on her back. Lynn stabs Daisy. Cassie stabs Lynn through the eye. Vlad is still fighting off the other villains when he notices they are in the room with the god box. He picks up up the god box. Dr. Immortal shoots at him, misses, and hits the coffin. Vlad realizes the power of the box and smashes it, releasing Fantoma. Fantoma does what she does best, judging the fiends from the righteous. Villains are twisted into knots, eaten by rats, you know, the usual. Dr. Mortal is eaten alive by hell demons. Cassie asks slash demands Fantima to help her save Daisy, who is bleeding out from her stab wound. Fantima judges Cassie and does not kill her. (laughs) She says... In this wonderful line, my favorite, perhaps my favorite line, I don't know. It, it offers some insight into Cassie's character, which is nice. She says, There is a great darkness in your soul, Cassandra Hack, perhaps even evil. But your hate remains delicately balanced by your desire to protect the weak and innocent. She hand waves the rest of the villains into outer space and returns to her jungle. Some time passes. Cassie and Vlad are on the bus home. Cassie calls the real Samhain, and he is about to have sexual intercourse with somebody called Ava, and he doesn't look too happy with himself. He's very reluctantly about to make love to Ava. Daisy survives her stab wound. Angelica and Alan are keeping watch over her in the hospital. They suggest to Cassie that she should stay, that they could be her new family and that Daisy could benefit from having her around. But she leaves, and she leaves with this line, "Phantomah has her jungle, I have mine.
0: Awesome, thank you. The covers for this issue have Cassie leading the superheroes behind her with Vlad, and then the second cover has uh, Vlad and Cassie dressed up in their superhero outfits, and it says, Unholy Horror Inside. The X sidekick X sidekick uh, cover uh, logo on the bottom right-hand corner is very reminiscent of the X-Men or X-Static, as that was a big book at the, out at the time. These are the most bumbling, idiotic uh, superheroes ever. These would just basically uh, the type of superheroes that would get you
2: killed in real life if they were around. Kind of like the ones in Kickass. <laughs> yeah, and supervillains too. I mean, they they don't have uh, better fare when it comes to, to to enemies. I mean, both all of these both factions are quite you know inept. <laughs> when it comes to supervillainy and heroism. Daniel Lester oh,
0: yeah. Daniel Lester was definitely the right artist to draw the hackslash ongoing um by Tim Seeley as he has a way of drawing women in uh in a very provocative manner. Hence when Sister Sacrilage is, you know, chained up to the bed and her railing, her robe and her hair is draped over her breast. It's all very pin up style and uh perfect for the type of book that we have. And you know the type of artwork we expect to see from uh hackslash
2: yeah, if you've been reading the series up to this point, then that's kind of something you come to expect from the series, you know but um yeah i you know uh, for he for me, he's in the Michael Turner kind of school, you know, so those guys all look similar, but you know everybody has their 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 inspiration you know like in the 70s uh, people a lot of people copied jack kirby and so on and in the 80s frank miller
1: and technically daisy could be attractive she's just not comfortable with her weight
2: right definitely
0: um i mean she's perfectly fine she doesn't nothing's overly striking it's just she that outfit is just also hideous too oh my god mm. the She does
1: that.
3: flamingo.
0: yeah what the hell superhero name is that jesus christ
3: Yeah, like, that wouldn't give you a whole lot of confidence, and that's really her issue is not having a lot of confidence, and you can see, you know, being in that special class, she probably gets bullied. Her friends that are supposed to be her friends sometimes aren't very nice to her, but Mm. I think that's Lynn, maybe Lynn in the beginning makes a comment about her using the R word again. Like she just she just called that a couple times for, Oh no no, that's Ronnie. She calls Ronnie, she calls Ronnie's brother the R
0: word. Right. And Ronnie's brother called him uh <laughs> Ronnie's brother calls him a faggot, which is like
3: Yeah, they're not very these teenagers, you know, they're <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of brutal.
0: Right. Um I have a whip and if you crack the sound if you break the sound barrier with the whip, you could hurt somebody. I don't know about whipping someone's nose off, but it does remind me of Indiana Jones and that's how he gets the cut on his chin when he cracks the whip at the lion in uh Last Crusade. Yeah, that's
1: this that... <laughs> whip But it's like, it makes me sad that it doesn't carry on. Because, I mean, how good she was with it, you would think she would
0: have kept it. Right, definitely. But, like, where are they going to keep stuff? In that dingy, nasty old van that they have?
2: Yeah, people might get the wrong idea if they see this whip and all this SMN gear that they're collecting in their travels.
0: I wish I had a skeleton costume that looked that good.
2: Vlad gets the best idea to pick up the
0: God Box uh, and use it as, uh, you know, the thing that they all want. I love it. I do find it funny. Mr. Top Hat, I don't remember which character this is, is biting Vlad's arm. But once again, Vlad is drawn like a monster, too, with his over and, you know, huge frickin' bulbous
2: head. Yeah, I kind of like the way, you know, Vlad evolved over time. You know, this is a vast improvement of uh, over Vlad in the one-shots for me personally. He did not evolve
0: over time. They, like, de-evolved him. They de-evolved him oh, yeah, to the point de-evolved. of a, de- to a Neanderthal-looking person. I mean, he looked normal uh in previous and in, in before but daniel lester i thought the entire time he draws this comic book he draws the vlad like a neanderthal or some type of creature
2: yeah no no but you know in a horror sense you know it kind of works because he's even more intimidating than he was I, I guess i mean he vlad is at his most intimidating when he's wearing the gas mask which he doesn't do in any of these issues you know because he has to go you know uh, under a disguise and so forth, so you can understand why he's not why he doesn't have his signature face mask on. But you know he's he looks pretty you know cool to me in this issue. So I kind of dig this lad. The office worker I mean, from the previous issue
0: gets his guts ripped out by a bunch of demons, which is pretty horrifying. and That's right up there with like some type of horror movie or reminiscent of a yeah. scene getting their comeuppance with uh, guts being ripped out. What was the movie we were talking about, Charcy where someone had their guts ripped out recently?
1: Oh, gosh, the, now I'm just thinking of a silly movie I just watched the other night, which was uh, Blood Diner, and that happened in that one, too. But, oh, man, the one we were talking about was the one you we were talking about in the previous issue, wasn't it?
0: Possibly, but I'm also reminded of, like, uh, Living Dead, where the guy's got his arm in the uh, the the, uh, the heart machine and Dawn of the Dead. Not Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and, like, they're just, like, ripping his guts apart and eating him, Yay. or Day of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Oh. Er-
3: Yeah, it's that classic scene of uh, being surrounded by some things that are eating you and they're just, like, tearing out of your, pulling your guts out of your stomach. I've seen a similar scene in uh, Walking Dead. Right. One of my my favorite characters, that's how he dies. He, like, falls off a dumpster and the the zombies tear him apart. And I was like, I got to stop watching the show. (laughs) 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 Nobody's going to live. This is so sad.
2: The comic's the same, you know. It's really, you know, uh, Robert Kirkman really hits you at hurts because he makes you love those guys, and then that happens. <laughs> yeah. But here, I mean, these guys are total, you know, reprehensible assholes. They get what's coming to them, and I'm glad Fentima is administering some you know, deus ex machina justice here because if it wasn't for her being released from the box, Kathy and Vlad would have been in some serious straits here. Charcy, but...
0: what's, the, uh, what's the name that Cassie calls the... Um... Squid Lady from the previous issue that I loved so much.
1: Oh, calamari cunt.
0: Yeah, now she calls the uh, goddess Powerade to a bunch of underwear pirates. She
1: just keeps coming up with the great one-liners for people.
0: That's why it would make a great TV series on a channel that you get away with calling somebody a calamari cunt. When she blasts them out into space, so they basically are dead, and then blast off to go deal with uh, her rainforest, which is hilarious considering what Cassie says, they get a call from Elf and Sam, and I forgot... <laughs> What was that? Sorry.
1: I'm sorry. Just when she blasts him away, and Cassie's like, "Oh fuck me," and Vlad's like, "Well, this was the woman you just bossed around."
0: <laughs> the um, you. I don't think it, I didn't record when uh, Sam and the elf lady showed up. A- Ava showed up the first time. I think I did that with Jennifer from Gin Jen and Comics, but yeah, we never that understood. Me. Okay, I never understood why the hell Ava was called an elf.
1: Um, they explain it, because I know that she was created, so I think she's literally to be created to be this sex fiend elf she's supposed to appear elf-like, but we never see her ears. Right. So I think that's why they call her an elf, because she was literally designed to be an elf.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, that still kind of sounds... (laughs) Stupid. <laughs> I mean, she's still basically created to be, like, the sex doll or for whoever she's with, and she's with Sam, and... Uh that's what appears to be happening. Uh, Cassie's all like, oh, I'm so glad you're still a good guy. But you, I, I'm, I'm still thinking about you. Are you thinking about me? There's a great ad in the back for the zombies that ate the world. I don't know what this comic is, but it looks kind of cool. I guess it ran for only eight issues. Um, final issue, and it's got a couple dudes holding up what looks like the Ten Commandments about to smash in the heads of the Pope and a Cardinal who are zombies.
2: Damn. Yeah, that's something I would want to read.
0: hmm and then there, I guess there's only two more Devil's Due Press uh issues, but it's the crossover with Mercy Sparks, which will be the next episode of the show. And then there's uh then they then they start with the Hackslash number one and then I thought maybe that My First Maniac came out in between, but they actually My First Maniac ran simultaneously with issues two, three and four and then Vlad's origin issue doesn't happen until uh many months down the line. So, uh and then there's like one Hackslash fricking comic book after another. Multiple weeks in a row, we would have hack-slash miniseries, the ongoing occurring, one-shots, crossovers, annuals. I I remember distinctly there was like at least three or four hack-slash comic books in one month because I kept getting another hack-slash comic book in my uh, pull box at my local comic book store back in 2010-2011.
2: Yeah, you see, you guys, uh, you were reading it as it came out. Like, I only gravitated towards the series and the omnibuses when they, I think it was 2011 or 2012 when Image Comics sort of started collecting the, uh, they put out the omnibus. And, um, you know, that's when I got into the series. I wished I'd been around, you know, reading more of that. But, you know, it's just really difficult to get it over here on a monthly or even a weekly basis, of course. But, um, you know, digital helps now but I'm still having trouble getting distribution over here. So I'm basically reading most new stuff digital. I would have loved to be in, you know, in the thick of it back then, like with 2010, um, just before Image picked it up.
0: We are uh, – I've read these like one time. I own all of the individual floppies of Hack Slash with the exception of the Mercy Sparks Hack Slash crossover. That I have in the Mercy Sparks trade paperback because I missed those issues and they went out of print almost immediately because Devil's Due Press folded as a company. But uh, uh-huh. they're incredibly hard to find now. We are, uh, we went on a bit of a hiatus from the podcast since the Dan parent issue, but I wanted to get caught up on some things, but we're going to be back on the regular two-week schedule. The next episode of the Goth Girl Horror Hackslash crossover, uh, the Goth Girl Horror The Hackslash podcast will feature me and Charcy talking to Hackslash's creator Tim Seely. But that will be up in a couple weeks from when you hear this. Everyone can give out their social media where people can find them and follow the podcast and themselves on Twitter.
2: All right, uh, Misty, I'll go first this time around. Is that okay? Sure, yeah. Okay, we're, Misty and I are at longboxofdarkness.com. Um, at, on Twitter, we're, mostly, uh, we're, we're the most active, I would say. I'm at longbox. And uh, Misty, how about you? Where can people find you online?
3: You can find me on Twitter, MistyGComics. That's it, just MistyGComics. Also, look for my new book, Jesus vs. Vampires, Cloning Christ to Battle Creatures of the Night just kidding. it's not coming that's
2: not that's from this from this
0: comic,
2: comic. Yeah. is that's oh, that that. brilliant.
0: is that oh. similar in the vein to Jesus Christ Vampire Killer the movie from 2010 it's
3: a continuing sequel is it a sequel yes oh <laughs> Sorry.
1: charcy where
0: yeah. charcy where can people and, find you
1: you can find me on my twitter under my name charcy lux or on instagram under charcy87
0: And you can find the actual Goth Girl Horror on at GothGirlHorror and on RadioHorror.com. And there's no Facebook for this show, but it's under the Radio Horror banner. And you can send us an email if you wish to, thatradiohorror@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you would like to sponsor the show in any way, you can send us an email, and we can tell you how you can become a sponsor for Goth Girl Horror. And we'll be back in two weeks for a Halloween episode of Goth Girl Horror with Cassie Hacks creator Tim Seeley talking about all the hack-slash-movies that never got made. Thank you, everyone, and have a good night. Pleasant screams. Keep it creepy.